All right. Welcome to Why Is This Good, a podcast by the Naples Traders Workshop. I'm Christine, and I'm here with John and Rob. Hey, guys. Hey. Hello. And this week, it's John's turn. John, what did you pick? I picked the story Gender Studies by Curtis Sittenfeld. You got a section? Yep. I'm going to read from the beginning. Okay. Nell and Henry always said that they would wait until marriage was legal for everyone in America, and now this is the case. It's August 2015. But earlier in the week, Henry eloped with his graduate student, Bridget. Bridget is 23, moderately but not dramatically attractive. One of the few non-stereotypical aspects of the situation, Nell thinks, is Bridget's lack of dramatic attractiveness. And Henry and Bridget had been dating for six months. They began having an affair last winter, when Henry and Nell were still together. Then in April, Henry moved out of the house that he and Nell own and directly into Bridget apartment. Nell and Henry had been a couple for 11 years. In the shuttle between the Kansas City airport and the hotel where Nell's weekend meetings will occur, the shuttle is a van and she is its only passenger, a radio host and a guest are discussing the presidential candidacy of Donald Trump. The driver catches Nell's eye in the rearview mirror and says, he's not afraid to speak his mind, huh? You gotta give him that. Nell makes a nonverbal sound to acknowledge that, in the most literal sense, she heard the comment. The driver says, I never voted before, but he makes it all the way, maybe I will. A tough businessman like that could go kick some butts in Washington. There was a time, up to and including the recent past, when Nell would have said something calm but repudiating in response, something professorial, or at least intended as such, perhaps. What is it about Trump's business record that you find most persuasive? But now she thinks, you're a moron. All she says is, interesting and looks out the window, at the humidly overcast sky and the prairies of grass behind ranch-style wooden fencing. Though she lives in Wisconsin, not so many states away, she has never been to Kansas City, or even to Missouri. I'm not a Republican, the driver says, but I'm not a Democrat either, that's for sure. You wouldn't never catch me voting for shrillery. He shudders, or mock shudders. If I was Bill, I'd cheat on her too. The driver appears to be in his early 20s, 15 or so years younger than Nell, with narrow shoulders on a tall frame over which he wears a shiny orange polo shirt. The van is also orange, and an orange ballpoint pen is set behind his right ear. He has nearly black hair that is combed back and looks wet, and the skin on his face is pale white and pockmarked. In the rearview mirror, he and Nell make eye contact again, and he says, I'm not sexist. Nell says nothing. You married, he asks? No, she says. Boyfriend? No, she says again, then immediately regrets it. He gave her two chances, and she failed to take either. Me? I'm divorced, he says. Never getting wrapped up in that again, but I've got a four-year-old, Lizette. Total daddy's girl. You have kids? No. This she had no desire to lie about. So why'd you pick this? Had you read it? Had you read it before you picked it for this? Well, I, I've been reading uh, these uh, Best American Short Stories anthologies come out every year. And um, I actually have gotten a couple of stories out of them for the podcast. But uh, this story I picked because as I was reading, there's, you know, a lot of these stories, some of these stories, I should say, uh, most of the stories are, are good. Um, every <laughs> once in a while, there's one that I'm like, I don't, I don't like this one. And this one just was one that I read and enjoyed. And I thought it was good. And nothing really jumped out at me but i i thought it might be interesting to talk about so that's why i picked it what do you like about it um nothing yeah i don't know that i know <laughs> I, <laughs> I i like it it's because it's simple it has good characters and a good interplay of characters develops a really engaging situation and um it just does the things that good fiction does you know it really brings you into it and lets you uh, enjoy the story i don't want to like spoil it but we're I do. probably gonna I do. have to yeah <laughs> so she ends up sleeping with trump this guy. gets elected yeah trump gets elected <laughs> she Spoiler. like 
invites this guy back to her hotel under the guise of getting her license back because she thinks she lost it on the bus and he thinks it's a ruse to get him to come over because he gave her his number but she was really looking for his license and then he says something like are you sure you were and you weren't doing this subconsciously basically they almost have sex completely they're like totally naked and about to do it and then she like finds out that he didn't have the license and she's like wait a second and is immediately turned off sends him home and then the way the story ends is it's kind of her thinking back on how this was supposed to be this kind of fun out of character story for her that she was going to share with her friends in the wake of like her husband cheating on her and now it's tainted because she feels like she was tricked but also she feels really bad for assuming the worst about this guy who she really quickly lays out in the section that John read is not her type on every front he's 15 years younger he's divorced he's got a kid he's kind of a republican and he's kind of sexist even though he kind of says he's neither and she on top of it he's like a bus driver and she, you know, fancies herself this academic. And on top of it, obviously Democrat, obviously a feminist, all this kind of stuff. So there's these like weird overtones that she didn't mean because because when they're both naked in the hotel room, they're on the same playing field. None of those things matter, right? They're being as intimate with each other as they can. And then a, a switch in her head flips and she feels guilty about it ever since because she doesn't think that he was a bad guy, but it snapped her out of it, right? I thought this reminded me so much of Cat Person. Do you guys remember reading Yeah, I was that? thinking of that story during this story. I didn't. I never, never read, read it. it. No. Okay, so Cat Person ran, I think, in The New Yorker and everybody talked yeah, about I remember it because the, yeah. it was very much a modern day story about dating and it had all these similar undertones, but it was a girl that had like a decent couple dates with the guy but then ultimately I think turns him down and he had been nice up to that point and then ends up calling her like a whore and that's like the last line of the story like is this text that he sends her and it was one of these stories where okay you've heard your friends I tell it John that. yeah I know John, John doesn't want to read it now you're gonna love it yeah. it sounds like this boring ending but the reason everybody loved it is because first of all nobody reads short stories so they're like wow what is this fantastic <laughs> medium Whoa. yeah I've never Shorter read something I enjoy um, I could read it all at once and everyone's talking about it that's why I was annoyed by it but then it, it was just like this very common story at the time where everybody had had been exploring online dating and getting turned down in various like unceremonious ways like via text with a guy that was very nice and then called you a whore and everyone's like oh yes this is exactly how it happens so this reminded me of that because it was like here she was gonna she was gonna have like a fling which lots of people do and then it ended very very badly for her and it just left this horrible taste in her mouth but you can kind of surmise that like neither party felt good about it i don't know it, it felt like it was modern like donald trump was obviously mentioned for a reason it was obviously set in 2016 for a reason it could happen otherwise sure but it was intentional that way and so all those undertones really culminated in this like very modern fling story just like cat person that's why like i was thinking about it long after because i'm like i could picture something like this happening you know she falls for someone that's not her type and then feels guilty about the way that she did and didn't treat him it seems like it was initially probably i was about halfway through the story and i thought it was kind of modern or contemporary to a fault in that nell seemed like she was more of like a series of gestures or just kind of a cutout sort but i'm this isn't i'm going in a positive <laughs> where she <laughs> but you're right but i think that was to the the advantage of the story and also to just this to the to the story itself where the author starts piling on all of these things where kind of white upper class educated 
complicated. People all nod their head and say, yes, yes, yes. To the point where it's not like, oh, that's me or I know that person where it's just like, you're, she's kind of checking off these internet boxes of what a person that's in her demographic would be like. Yeah. And so I'm kind of reading, I'm saying, well, I'm like, what the fuck? Why is, why is this person not a person yet? And then she gets her license stolen or she loses her license. She loses her identity. And it's like, okay, maybe that's not heavy handed. Maybe that's really clever where if, if this, if this person's talking about contemporary people or this type of contemporary person where they're just kind of moving, like she's in an airport where it's a place of transience and they're having this conversation in a shuttle and everything is just so familiar to where it's, this is a complicated story and I did not give it its due for the most part, but then probably the last two pages, I'm like, wait, there's some, there's like, there's a really tricky thing going on here where I think we're being, the, the story ends with, well, fuck him, he's a Trump supporter that's paraphrasing, but close enough. <laughs> but, but, the, but the Trump supporter in terms of, of a fictional character is so much more real, realistic for me. He pops, he's not necessarily likable or unlikable, but he seems like a person. He's a character. And now it's just kind of like this floating social media creation. And it's really, this is a really sad story, not just because Nell is, you know, she's spurned by her lover. And then she has this weird kind of gross thing that that could have been like, this could have been a shot at like a, it almost seemed like a relationship could have developed. She she keeps telling herself towards the end of the story, this would have been something I like. This would have been something I would have liked to hear that line. She has feelings for this guy that she's not admitting. And she's kind of stifling her own identity under the weight of all of this like but I'm a gender studies person I'm mm-hmm. I'm a democrat and I'm a vegetarian and there's that great part early in the story where her and her old um, partner catch each other not being vegetarians anymore <laughs> which is such a which str- is to say eating meat <laughs> which is to say right <laughs> Which has got the funny sex part, but it's also like, that's such a critical part of like, people wrap their personalities and their identities up in this stuff. So I think this is a really kind of a stealthy story that I'd be curious to read more. Unless I'm just giving this person too much benefit of the doubt, but I think the, the New writing. Yorker knows what they're doing. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this is a really cool, just subtle story. It just really snuck up on me. And when the, the license thing was like, really? Like it was, it was heavy handed, not to a fault, but like sometimes heavy handedness is like the best thing to do. And yeah, I thought it was really cool and neat. The comment that she makes in the back of this uh, book, uh, you know, they have the contributor comments. Oh, sure. In these, but she she mentions something about how uh, she's like, of course, it's a political allegory, but for me, it was really <laughs> only a story about someone who lost their driver's license. Uh-huh. Like, so I think she always saw these, no, despite the politics, she always saw these people as characters. Yeah, and she wanted to like flesh out in the way you're talking about, like to just give them that uh, that space to be be interesting characters. When they're alone in the hotel room at the end was just really terrific. It's not. Not sexy. Um, that's when that's when I flashed to uh, cat people. Uh, there's a cat people really blew me away during the the sex scene. Where not to talk about a different story, but that character is imagining herself having sex, and it's really um, it's just like a weird vanity exercise, and it's really creepy. Um, I find the, the the female character just as creepy as the guy. <laughs> I mean, the guy the guy's a, a predator or at least an asshole. But that kind of self absorption I see in Nell too. But with Nell, it's kind of it's tragic because right. she's at that age. Where where not that she's any less attractive or any less, less viable or available, but it's like, get your shit together, you know? Yeah, she feels that way at least. Like, you're not letting your... You're, you like this guy. Right. He likes you. Who cares? I mean, he's driving an orange truck that's, you know, the orange hair, the Trump. It's, it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but like, let your let yourself, like, unbottle yourself. Let yourself not be like a walking cutout. Let yourself be a person I like this guy. Like, or at least have sex with him. At least enjoy mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. She can't even do that. I think it's interesting, though, that this was published in August of 20. So this was a story that was very much of its current time. So it was almost like if you know, let's pretend that these are real people, you know. She she has this breakup with her husband over an affair 
there. And then the first guy that she's going to sleep with has to be a Trump supporter, like two months before this election type thing. I think maybe in a different context or a different month or year, maybe she could have done what you said. But I liked that it did put her in this really difficult position. She's like having, she feels something for a guy that she doesn't want to admit she feels something for because of the current political climate. And even as she's realizing that they're about to have sex, she's still thinking about it in terms of this being like a cool, funny story to tell her best friend. Like, look at this thing that I did. Like, aren't you proud of me? Like I changed or, you know, I went for it. And, but she's not even going for it in the moment. I don't know. I didn't fault her when she ultimately felt duped. I didn't feel like um, she talked herself out of something or anything. I felt like she really like snapped out of it in that moment when she realized that he didn't have the license, but that he thought she was like in on the whole thing, you know, that they both wanted to end up in this room in this scenario. But she in her head was like, no, I like, I really wanted my license. Maybe that's your point. Like uh-huh. maybe you think that she thinks in that moment. I, I don't know what she, th- I think. Um, like when, she wasn't admitting it in that moment or something. I don't or? think she was. I know she wasn't admitting that she likes him, but and I know she's. This is kind of similar to the previous podcast where the main character had a concussion and that kind of led the narrative on its own way. But she's really drunk. She drank a ton, <laughs> and so it's kind of all bets are sort of off at that point in terms of. But I mean, when you're really drunk, what you really want is like yeah. right on the surface. And she's still. And she's she, still kind of. She's still wrestling with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think and there was in those moments a lot of um, hindsight where she said the narration was commenting that if he had done this everything would have been fine she was this close to inviting him back to you know all this kind of stuff she really was on the cusp of not turning out that way in a lot of different moments in there it's just he did this pushed in the wrong direction she could have pulled it back by doing this he did this in the wrong direction he could have pulled it back by doing this and just over and over and over again until finally he leaves just a series of wrong turns i guess right i i just love how it ended too because she she talks about how this was obviously a defining moment for her life because she feels regret and because it ultimately set her on the path to meet who it says she's either like married to or dating by the end. Like she ends up finding a different dude who's like probably on the spectrum between her ex and this Trump guy, right? Mm -hmm. He's kind of like safe, but he's a little different and she's not pretending to be vegetarian anymore. But she still like thinks about, she laments this encounter and how it panned out. I love stories like that where there's not a clear resolution or she didn't actually call him up and apologize even though she talks about how she could have. She still had his number. I don't know. It gives you so much to think about. I was thinking about this one afterwards. Even though John said, you know, on the surface, this is a straightforward story. It's very simple that way. Particularly to learn that she hasn't, she hadn't had sex for months at a time and that that, that was the norm. So immediately you're like, all right, that's abnormal. That's obviously a reason that they're probably not together anymore. But what does that say about her? And it, she just seems hell bent on like not being intimate, but not just sexually, but she does not want to make a connection with this guy at all. She's avoiding him. She's avoiding him. So it's like, you love seeing like a person just totally split down the middle. Like you want to go one way, you want to go the other other and you end up just being still and nothing happens and then she ends up with you know Mr. Boring at the end. Yeah he's just. It's a total picture of repression which right. is crazy because she's a gender I mean you would think it's crazy as a gender studies where right. we're liberal we're progressive and we're open but no she's way worse than any Republican. Right. At least they know what they want and they're not afraid to vote for it. Well she just seems like with all of these boxes like you said that she checks off the stereotype would be that she has her shit together and she doesn't but she won't even admit that to mm-hmm. herself. Like she, she won't admit that she doesn't know what she's doing or that she's unhappy. Like people with such 
rich convictions and other parts of their life should have it all figured out. And by being a at first glance superficial boring character, that becomes like a major virtue for the whole story. Right. Like just the fact that she will just keeps tamping down what she wants is just mm-hmm. it's terrific. So John, you kind of like said that this was simple somehow or like straightforward or it's just like a basic story. No, I, I didn't mean it that it was simple. Like, I think Rob think has definitely pulled out that it's, it's a not Republican quite. Story. It's a- <laughs> no, I just, I thought it, it did what stories they're supposed to do very well. And in that way, it, it was, um, it jumped out at me in a book of excellent story. I mean, these are all excellent stories, but yeah. this is one of those that just kind of, you know, reading a story, it's, it's, it's often personal. Like, I'm sure these are all excellent stories, but I just didn't connect to a couple of them. So this one, I was like, oh, here we go. I like this one. That's all. I actually wanted to ask you guys what you think of, uh, so this is told in the present tense. Right? right. Until the end there. What do you mean until the end? Until the end is when um, she starts saying. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. It moves to the future tense yeah. in a couple of places near the end. Um, she will reflect on this moment later. We'll reflect yeah. on it extensively. So that that kind of caught me up, that moment when she, it moves to the, the future yeah. tense. Because it's like, I often wonder why writers write in the present tense. Because the, the, the common excuse is you get a sense of immediacy if you write in the present tense. Right, uh-huh. it's happening now, but I don't think that's true because you get the same immediacy writing in the past tense that you would yeah, get in the present right. tense. As a reader, it doesn't have much uh, much of a impact to the um, the experience of reading. Right, and often what you know the advice I'll give a, a, a writer would be: don't write in the present tense because you limit what you can do with tense. Right, because when you're writing in the past tense, you have so much room to move. You know, the present tense can be used for current action. You can say the gun went off and she runs out the door, right? That's the present tense. She runs out the door. But you could also have a present tense where you say she runs every week. And that's so the present tense can do current action and can also do habitual Habitual. action. Sure. So I often think of when I read the first sentence in a uh, short story that's in the present tense, that there could be, if you write it in the the wrong way, (laughs) a sense of whether or not it's actually happening now or if it's just a habitual action. Sure. Right. Whereas you're saying past tense set you in a it puts you in the right headspace as a reader immediately you know what, yeah. what they're saying yes because what what it matters most to action i think in a story is not whether it what time period it if it's past or present but whether it's complete or incomplete if it's perfect or imperfect so like if you say she ran out the door versus she was running out the door because she ran out the door is a finished action whereas she was running out the door is an action that can now be interrupted by something right she was running out the door when a bear grabbed her or whatever so this this move to the future tense here, it, it's it's perfect and it works exactly the way it's supposed to. I think the way the the writer probably intended it to work. But in the um, she says, you know, she will reflect she will reflect on this moment later. Will reflect on it extensively, and one of the conclusions will come to, um, etc. It could if it were if the story were written in the past tense, it would be something like it'd probably be in the present. She reflects on this moment later, um, reflects on it extensively, right? And then you still have room to move to the future in, in different ways and there's a moment on the um a little further down where uh in her peripheral vision as she looks down at her bare legs she can see him stand and dress her heart is beating rapidly this is all present tense right he folds his arms if he'd reached down and touched her shoulder if he'd sat back down next to her those are in the past perfect if he had done this right. if he had done that where if you were telling the story in the past tense they would still go to past perfect in that moment oh, sure. her heart was beating rapidly clothed he folded his arms 
if he had reached down and touched her, if he had sat down, it would read exactly the same way. So it's moments like that. I'm curious. This is why I wanted to ask you guys. What do you think about the present tense as versus mm-hmm. the past tense and storytelling? Well, I think my, like I said, my react, my impulse is to say it's it's easier to just write it in the past tense, and it's, it is. It's not necessary to do in the present. Yeah, present tense always feels different. Most things are written, I think, in past tense that way. And I think I'm not going to state this correctly, probably, because you're the one that knows the rules. But I think when people write in present tense and then have to make a decision, or if you were to ask them, why didn't you write this in past tense? It's because they're under the wrong impression about past tense. Like when I read a past tense story, I'm not thinking this happened 30 years ago, unless you told me it happened 30 years ago. I'm thinking it just happened. Yeah. Like John just said this. But we're in the present moment. But the past was two seconds ago. Like it doesn't have to feel long ago. It can still feel immediate. So you're right. It's just like a trick in how you describe that action that will allow you more leeway with the other things you can do with that tense. But present tense feels like, you know, I'm telling you that this story starts now and it probably ends shortly. You know, it ends in this current scene or ends in this current moment. And what I like about the fact that this was written in past tense, I mean, you're the one that's telling me it had to be written that way for it to... Present tense. Present tense for it to launch into this... um, future tense but but i and obviously like you're saying there's a way to have done that in past tense with this other version like incomplete or complete you're saying well the move to future it's not important but yeah there's different ways to do it depending on where you start right to still make that shift yeah but what i love about the shift in all kinds of stories like this when it's told that way and then and then you realize that they're saying had he done this had he done this and she will think about this later that always signals to me that we're about to wrap up that what I hoped would pan out did not. And it kind of launches you into the conclusion of the story. I, I love stories that are told that way where what you desperately wanted to happen didn't happen, but they're still going to, it reminds me of um, the bolt to the brain with Rob's. He's like, he thought about, or he didn't think about this. He didn't think about this. He thought about this. He thought about this. Where you can still like enumerate the possibilities that, you know, the reader is hoping for. And it, I don't know, it just adds like a melancholy. I feel like that tense always has like a sad undertone. That the present tense does? The shift to the the future. future. Yeah. It's like she's going to think about this and she's going to think about this. And this this didn't come to pass and had it. One thing about English or I guess future tense in general amongst most languages is it's not necessarily a future action tense. It's a future potential tense. Right. right? It's like what you intend to do or what you want to do. It's more about desire than what's actually going to happen. Because you can say, I'm going to go to the store and then never go, right? Right. I, it, so in Lady Tigers, the story that I read yeah. last, he kind of does that at the end. Nick White, the writer, talks about what Rusty is going to do when he leaves the bus. He's not going to oh, yes. ask about this. He's going to ask about why no one told him about the baby. So in the in the same way that gender studies kind of signals to you that the story is over in its moment. What happened, happened and it panned out. And now we're going to ruminate on like the conclusion and that's the real story right the takeaway is we're signaling the takeaway with that future moment and then and then but it still feels sad it's like they're talking about what rusty's gonna do when he leaves the bus but you know that you have to leave rusty now <laughs> I, I don't know how to describe 
private. That's, inter- that's a great point. That is melancholy. It's, it's like that? a movie too, where like you know you start Crane pulling away, away yeah. like yeah. The, the, the camera, crane, yeah. the cran- yeah, the camera pulls away, and the characters get smaller, and then the narrator's voice pops in and says, "This did and didn't happen." So in in English, will is the future marker, but it, it stems from um, originally it was just the word that means to um, to want, and it's still you still find it. You can still use it that way, and even like you know a will is something that you want to happen in the future, right? You know when you die, you want these things to happen. You put it down in a will. So that story ends with he wanted this, right? He wanted yeah. to hold them in their hand. But this this story because it's in the that's wanted is the past tense, and this story right. because it's in the present tense has to be uh, doesn't have to be, but but that's how it works. Is now will. it can go to will, mm-hmm. yeah, go to future. So yeah, I don't know why or how it works, but I love the the effect. The effect for that particular moment, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I just no, love I the effect of that tense. Like anytime I see it, yeah, it happens in the beginning of the story too. Of uh, gender studies, uh, the yeah. one we're discussing. Okay. Uh, in the shuttle between the Kansas City airport and the hotel where Nell's weekend meetings will occur. Mm-hmm. The shuttle's van is The present tense seems contemporary to me. I think the present tense got popular in the 60s. I think guys like Pinchon started using it. And it seemed, because yeah. third person is such, that's like the classic way to tell a story. Once upon a time and so on. And then in kind of like the kind of like acolytes of postmodernism, even to the guys like into the 80s and the 90s, like Walt, David Foster Wallace, I know, was major practitioner of present tense. And it seems more, um, it seems more contemporary, not because it's been used only for a few years, but you're kind of watching things happen. It seems like it was written by people who watched TV and movies. And I, th- I think um, the sense I get is that present tense puts you, not only puts you at eye level, but it's kind of a televisual way of telling a story like this is happening, this is happening. You are the camera, you are following us, you're panning and watching this. So I think it, it may be like symptomatic of just kind of how we get entertainment now. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be one way of thinking of it. And then that kind of applies to well, what kind of story are you telling? Well, this story is way contemporary. So maybe that's one way of looking at why. Why should you put it that way? It is interesting. You mentioned that the beginning sort of has a will in it to yeah. a future that becomes later on in the story a present moment and then becomes the past. And at the end of the story, sometimes when she is half asleep, this is like, you know, later she remembers that's present tense and it ends with past tense. Besides, he was a Trump supporter, right? So, yeah, that, that's like the that's, fuck you and it's person. not he <laughs> is a Trump supporter is now it's a memory. Now, the thing that she learned earlier in the story, the thing that was present at the beginning of the story is now past. Right. So it's like this sliding temporal um, viewpoint, which mm-hmm. is interesting. All this, you know, as much as I talked about how I don't think it's necessary, I have written stories in the present tense and it just, for certain stories, just feels right. Yeah. I don't know why. That's a problem. I'm not yeah, sure why. I don't ever think about what, how I'm going to write something. I just write it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what would your takeaway be for this one? Uh, my takeaway is totally different than that. Okay. I was thinking about just how characters are created. And we often think about character, spelling out a character through just, uh, the advice is concrete details, you know. Right. Um, whatever. Actions. But what I thought was most interesting about these characters were the choices they made. And a lot of times we think about, I think we think about character in too small a way where it's like, okay, the kind of, this character wears this kind of jacket and these shoes or whatever. And that's what defines them. But really what defines a character is the entire story, the way the story unfolds, the choices they make along the way. The story is an, is a characterization of the characters that that it, <laughs> it talks about. And because choices that characters make are the driver of story, they're the most important, I would think, maybe not the most, but among the most important things to think about as far as characterization goes. There's a bunch of different places in here where you can look at, it's actually interesting, there's a couple of uh, gaps where you leave an empty space in between sections of a story where... Um, 
um, time passes or something. Those all occur a couple of paragraphs after a major choice that, that she makes, that Nell makes. And um, it's interesting to, to, to see, okay, she makes a big choice, which is going to have a, an impact on the way the story unfolds. So we fast forward to the future and see what happens. Then she makes another choice. And then eventually she's making choices left and right while she's with, uh, what's his name? I forget. Henry. The Trump supporter? The Trump supporter. That's his name. Oh. The Trump supporter. The Trump supporter. Does he not oh, have Luke, a name? Sorry. Luke. That's right. But yeah, so that was my takeaway is just thinking mm-hmm. about character as the person who made the choices that made the story possible. Right. And then filling in the details to kind of sell that. Like mm-hmm. you talked about in several, many episodes ago, the choice could be the premise and the um, the details are the proof that oh, they made right. that choice. Right, yeah. right, right. What about you, Rob? Uh, you're always kind of taught or you're at least recommended to always like know what your characters want because that's what stories are. You're just seeing people with their wants and they collide and they interact and the resulting sparks of the story. But I think it's for this story, this seemed like one character, the Luke seemed like, yep, yeah, we, we all know what he wanted. He wanted to get with uh, Nell. But Nell, like I mentioned earlier, Nell did not seem to know what she wanted, or at least she didn't seem to be able to admit what she wanted. Or maybe that's just my interpretation, but I'm sticking to it. So I, th- I think it's you don't necessarily have to know every, every, everything about your character. Mm-hmm. But if, if you don't know what they want, maybe let the other character decide what they want. Put them together, and that makes an interesting story itself, because you have Luke here, who kind of is hell-bent from the, we can probably assume from the get-go that he wants to um he wants to sleep with Nell. So h- let that be the driver and let because right. people sit in the passenger seat with other people their whole lives and they get driven around and that's that's as true to life as two people meeting what they do. Two people meeting both have defined wants. So I w- I wouldn't be afraid to have a character that's wishy-washy because that's as true yeah. to life as anything. Yeah, and that wishy-washiness can often it can create a great moment of okay now you're forced into a decision mm-hmm. and that decision can uh, obviously you don't want your characters to not make choices otherwise it's a victim story yeah, more or less right. but being forced by someone else's desire into making a decision yeah, that's right. interesting story. and it's a scary story yeah. yeah well i would go back to kind of what i thought about this story only being able to be told like in the lead up to the election right this is this is a story about two people and a girl not knowing what she wants and having sex sure but it's very much dependent on that climate at the time with trump about to be elected and a woman in this situation defining herself that way so i would say i imagine the writer at some point thought what would happen if a hardcore democrat wanted to sleep with a trump supporter and what a great way to start any story right to put two people that (laughs) don't like each other and force them to have sex Which sounds ridiculous, but I feel like I don't often... It goes to everything you guys said, like making a character confront something. And the best way to do it is to put them with their opposite and to just figure out a story from there. And you kind of see how pathetic and like ephemeral the stuff we hang on ourselves that makes our identity. It's like, no, we're... We have like really base wants and it's pretty easy to to discern them. Right. (laughs) We're all animals. Cool. (laughs) Bloodhound Gang uh, song. I'm sorry? The Bloodhound Gang song. I was thinking about a Savage Garden song. Play us out, Bloodhound Gang. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys.